Well, if you can think back with me, January of this year, almost a year ago, um, I was doing something that I'm sure many of you have done this as well. Um, You find that extra time and you're just aimlessly scrolling through Instagram. Uh, So that was me back in January and I'm scrolling through and something catches my eye that just caused me to stop, right? You all kind of have those. Sometimes it's an ad or something that's trying to catch your attention. This was not an ad. This was real life. And I, and I stopped and I was like, no way this is true. This can't be happening. We have been wanting this for so long. We've been waiting for this for so long. In fact, I'd kind of given up like this is never actually going to happen. But here I am seeing this January of earlier this year that this is actually going to happen. And of course, because everything you see on Instagram is immediately true, I felt the need to Google it to double check because that's a great source of truth. So I Googled it, and sure enough, from multiple other sources, this was confirmed as fact. This is actually happening. So I'm going to show you what it was. I'm just going to give you a little heads up. I'm more excited about this than any of you are, and I'm okay with that. So for you, this is going to be a little anticlimactic, but here's what I saw on my Instagram this last January. In-N-Out is coming to the East Coast, baby. I'm so pumped, so excited. Now, some of you look at this and you're like, but that's Tennessee. That's fine. I can get there in a day. I can easily get to Tennessee in a day. The fact that it's in the same time zone is huge for us. Now, if you didn't know, my family and I, we lived in California before moving here. And, and in and out was one of the things we missed the most. There's some friends that we you know, try to keep in touch with. But, but in and out is what we really miss. We miss in and out. And so I saw this this last year, and I'm telling my kids and my wife, like, man, we're going to have to go to Tennessee. This is going to be great. And then some of you have already looked ahead. If you scroll through and read the fine print, I got a little upset because here I was reading this of January of 2023, and they made this announcement three years in advance. (laughs) They said, we are thrilled to start serving Tennessee in 2026. Like, are you kidding me? I got all excited, and now I got to wait three whole years. So not that we're keeping track, but as of today, that's 739 more days. (laughs) And that's just to January 1 of 2026. So we could easily be waiting 100 more days from today until we finally get to experience in and out again. We don't like to wait at all, do we? No, we don't like to wait. It's not just a kid thing. We see it in kids. But for every single one of us, we hate waiting. We don't like to wait. And if we're honest, we don't wait well. We are not good at waiting. It's not like we wait and then we are just such a great person. Like the bad comes out of us while we are waiting. But the good news is as we've been saying already several times this morning that the Christmas season is an intentional time for us to pause and to remember that the wait is over. That God has loved us by sending us his son. It's not he's going to, it's he did. When Jesus was born, that ended the wait. We are no longer waiting for our Messiah. We're not waiting for our Savior. He has come. The wait is finally over. But if you can think back to that first Christmas day, when everybody was still waiting, the entire world had been waiting and waiting for generations and generations, waiting for this Messiah, this Savior that would come to save us from our sins. We read the passage out of Isaiah. That passage was written 700 years before Jesus' birth. And the promise even preceded that prophecy. So all the world has been waiting and waiting 
for Jesus. It's in the middle of that season of waiting, in that tension of waiting, that we're introduced to a man named Simeon. Simeon's found, his story is found in Luke chapter 2. If you've got a Bible, we'd love for you to be there. You can see it in context. If not, we'll put them on the screens. If you don't have a Bible, that's the best Christmas gift I know how to give you. So on your way out today, look left, look right, and you'll see a bunch of Bibles up against the walls. Grab, those, grab a Bible. That's our gift to you. Write your name in it. Use it. Uh, best thing I know how to give you. But in Luke chapter 2, and if you've been with us the last several weeks, we've been looking at parts of the Christmas story through the gospel of Luke. And when we get to Simeon's story, we see a man that has been, like the rest of the world, waiting for the Savior, waiting for Jesus. And as we go through Simeon's story, I want you to pay attention to not just how he waits, but how he responds when he meets Jesus. I think we can learn something from his story. Now, I know that Simeon's probably not in any of your nativity scenes. He is still most certainly part of the Christmas story. This part of the story is just eight days after Jesus was born. And I want you to see how Simeon waits, but also how he responds when he meets Jesus. Here's his story. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was, here it is, eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So Simeon kind of is in a special spot. Not only is he waiting for the Messiah, but God had revealed to him and spoken to him and said, hey, you're actually gonna see the Messiah. I'm not gonna tell you when, so you're gonna still have to wait, but you will not die before meeting Jesus, meeting the Savior, meeting the Messiah. And we see that he is doing just that. He, along with the rest of the world, is waiting. And I love that we see how Simeon waits. Do you notice the two descriptions here? Righteous and, you catch the other one? Devout. Righteous and devout. So even while he's waiting for the Messiah, even while he's waiting to meet Jesus, he is still remaining faithful. Which is fascinating, because like I said, most of us, when we wait, Righteous and devout are not words that come to mind to describe us while we wait, right? We are often the worst versions of ourselves in the seasons and in those moments of waiting, but not for Simeon. He paints a beautiful picture of what it looks like to wait with faith, to wait while still trusting in God, to wait and still be committed, to wait and still be righteous and devout. I think that's helpful for us to even think through maybe two different types of waiting styles or or waiting postures. Right, the first one looks like this. I made the mistake of going to Kroger yesterday. <laughs> this is what I did. I got the two things that I needed, and then I stood like this. And if you have ever had to wait in line, you know what that feels like, where you're just, how much longer? When's it going to be over? Are we getting closer? And you just slowly start to just lose your mind, don't you? Eventually, you try to overcome the waiting by just distracting yourself. Maybe you just look around. Maybe you go to your phone. Maybe you lay on the floor. (laughs) Whatever works for you. But you stop paying attention, don't you? You get so flustered. You get frustrated. You get resentful. They need to be working faster. They should have known there was a lot of people over here. Where's all these other workers? You start to say things like that while you wait in line. That's one posture of waiting. There's another posture, another style of waiting, and that looks more like this. Instead of waiting in line, picture yourself on a starting line where you are anticipating the start of the race, right? You are not 
sitting back and distracted. You are focused. You are leaning in. You are engaged. You are anticipating. You don't know when it's going to happen, but you aren't going to miss it. You are ready. You are heightened and you are aware, but you're still waiting. And what we see with Simeon's story, he was not acting like he was waiting in line. He was leaning in. He was excited and anticipating. The word there is eagerly waiting. He doesn't know when God's gonna show up. He doesn't know how this is gonna work. He doesn't know when, but he's not gonna miss it. He's paying attention. What if we woke up every day like that? Right, instead of, all right, God, is today gonna be the day you finally do what you said you were gonna do? Or, oh God, I'm gonna be watching. I'm gonna be waiting. I don't wanna miss it. I don't know when, but I'm gonna be ready. See, even though the wait is over and the sense of our Savior has come, we still find ourselves in, in seasons of waiting, don't we? Where we're waiting for what's next or we're waiting for, and you can fill in the blank. Instead of waiting in line, could you wait on the starting line? Lean in, be eagerly waiting. And like Simeon, not allow waiting to steal your joy and your faith. But in the midst and in the seasons of waiting, be anticipating what God is going to do. So here he is waiting, waiting, eagerly waiting, but still with trust and faith. And then verse 27, that day the spirit led him to the temple. Now let's pause there for a second. That phrase, the spirit led him. If you grew up in church or if you've been around here a long time, uh, that's probably a phrase that you've heard before. If not, that feels like a very weird phrase. The spirit led him. Like that, is that a magical thing? Like what are we talking about? So I want us to like talk about it because it is important. I don't want us to just think we know what it means and move on and rush past it. It's a very important aspect of Simeon's story because here he is waiting, but then it seems like God is doing something and so he follows God. So what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Right? That's, that's throughout the New Testament. As Christians, this is important because we are told to live by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, to be led by His Spirit. So what does that actually mean and look like? Bottom line is Simeon has such a close and personal relationship with God that he is able to discern where God is leading him next. He doesn't see the full picture. It's Go to the temple. And I love that. It's just one step at a time. We talk a lot about that here, don't we? Just where is God leading you? One step at a time. So he has such a close and personal and growing relationship with God that he's able to discern this next step. It's important for us to begin to ask the question, who are we being led by? Because we live in a world where there are a lot of voices that are trying to lead us. So if we are not being led by the Spirit, who are we being led by? Chances are good, it's just self. I wanna do what I wanna do when I wanna do it. And that's not the life that Simeon is living out. Even in the midst of waiting, he is still attentive to where God is leading him. Righteous and devout, trusting God with every single step. Think of it in this way, not a perfect example, but the best I can give you in, in regards to this is Becky and I, my wife and I, we've been married 15 years, over 15 years. And over the course of our 15 years, we know each other really, really well. She knows me, I know her. We don't know each other perfectly. We're still learning new things about each other. That happens all the time. More so, I learn more about her. I just kind of start to, oh, right? You pick up on the hints after a while. And so we're still learning and growing, but we know each other really well. Now, over the course of our 15 years of marriage, maybe this is different in your family, but for, for me, I don't want to say never, 
So I'm going to be safe and say rarely, but I don't think Becky has ever said, Brian, here's exactly what I want for Christmas. Buy this. That would be very helpful. I would actually appreciate that. She gets what she wants and I don't have to think about it. Like that sounds like a great idea, but that's not how it works. By the way, husbands, if your wife does do that, it's not because she's trying to help you. It's because she doesn't trust you. (laughs) Just to be clear, she knows what you were planning to get her. And so she decided just to tell you straight up. So don't think that you've got a better marriage than me because she told you. She just doesn't trust you. So over the course of this last year, because she hasn't told me exactly what she wants, you know what that requires of me? I have to pay attention to her. I have to listen to her. I have to pick up on all of those little hints that she's been laying the groundwork for the last 12 months. So theoretically, theoretically, if I know my wife well, I'll be able to get her a decent Christmas gift. Might not be the perfect one. But if I know her, if I paid attention to her, if I've listened to her, if I picked up on the hints, then I will be able to get her something that she would want. Now, we'll find out tomorrow when she opens it. I feel a little safer because I asked her friends, like, hey, am I in the right direction? She's like, oh, yeah, 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 she'll love it. So it's her friend's fault if I don't do this well. <laughs> but I've tried to pick up on the hints and paid attention. So here's what that means for being spirit-led. If you find yourself asking, God, I don't know what you want me to do, and God, I don't know where to go, and God, I don't know what my next step is, let me lean in, and instead of making it about the what, let me make it about the who. Do you know him well? Do you have a close and personal, deep and meaningful relationship with God? Are you trying to know him more through his word? Because the more you know God, and the more you know his word, the more you will be able to discern where he's leading you. That's what we see with Simeon. He had a close and personal relationship with God. And because of that relationship, he's able to discern where God is leading him. So it's not look for a sign. It's dig into his word and know him more. So here's a man that's been waiting and waiting, is paying attention to God, his father. And he is led to the temple. And here's where he meets Jesus. The end of verse 27. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. The wait is over. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, and here's a a song or a psalm, almost a poem of praise that Simeon gives. Verse 29. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. The wait is over. That's what Simeon is getting at. He's been waiting and waiting. He's been faithful and trusting. He He followed the leading of the Holy Spirit, and then he's finally there, and he meets Jesus. And he picks up Jesus in his arms, and we get this beautiful song of praise. That's basically Simeon saying, the wait is finally over. And as you read through his short song of praise, there's two themes that he seems to highlight here. New new realities in light of the wait finally being over. Because Jesus has finally come, because God's love has been shown through the giving of his son, our savior, our deliverer, our rescuer, our Messiah. Simeon points out two themes to highlight of now that the wait is over, Here's what we have now. Here's how we now live. There's two of them. The first one is the wait is over and we can live in peace. 
Notice that Simeon makes a big deal right from the beginning talking about peace. In fact, Simeon's language was, I can now die in peace. Now, that's a phrase that we might even use in different settings, but what Simeon literally said, if you look at the original language and what he actually said, his language literally was, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I can go in peace. Not just about dying in peace, but it's also about living in peace. To be able to recognize that because Jesus has come, we now have peace. We can now live every single moment of every single day with peace. Does that mean that because Jesus came, all the problems are solved? No. Does that mean that, that Jesus has come and every conflict and every tension is now pushed away from us? No. Does that mean every issue is now resolved? Not necessarily. So how do we have peace because Jesus came? Jesus actually gives us that. Later on, we're looking at the story, obviously, uh, of him as an eight-day-old. Eight but if we look over into John chapter 16, we see Jesus in his ministry as an adult. And here's what he says regarding peace. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus' words. He said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Not in the absence of conflict, not with because there's no problems, not because there's no more tensions or issues or struggles. He said, because of me, in me, you can have peace. Jesus goes on and says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Do you see the two promises Jesus mentioned here? The first one doesn't sound like great news. You will have trials. You will have struggles. You will have suffering. You will have difficulties. But you can also still have peace. You see, the peace that Jesus gives us is not dependent on your circumstances or mine. It's not dependent on our situation. It's not dependent on anybody else. We can finally have peace because Jesus is here. And because he came, he gives us peace, a peace that cannot come from anything or anyone else. So Simeon recognizes this. He says, God, you've kept your promise. You are faithful. You are good. And we can finally go in peace. You know, we get that like now. Again, the wait's over. You don't have to wait to get this later on. So in just a few minutes, when, when we leave and you walk out these doors and you walk to your car and you start driving away, you can have peace. Again, you might be thinking, Ryan, you don't know what it's going to be like in my car. There will not be peace in my car. Brian, you don't understand where we're driving to. There's nothing about that situation that's going to have peace with where we are going. Probably true in that sense. But go back to Jesus' words in John 16. Yes, you will still have troubles and conflicts and problems and difficulties and sorrows. But the peace that he gives us is a peace that comes in him. So here Simeon is holding his Savior and recognizing the wait is over. Now we can go in peace. Why? Because of what Jesus said at the end. He said, I have overcome the world. In me, you will have peace. You can find peace in me because I've overcome the world. We put our hope in him. We put our trust in him, and that's where we find peace. So Simeon focuses on peace. The other reality that he highlights or theme in his song of praise is the idea of hope. The wait is over, and we now have hope. Simeon's word here specifically, he uses the word salvation, which means like to be rescued or delivered. He says, I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for 
all people. That sounds very similar if you know the story of the shepherds earlier on in Luke. You know that the angel came before the shepherds as they're out watching their, their flocks. And this angel of the Lord said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy for, do you know it? For all people. All people. For all people, he finally came. And because the wait's over, now all of us have hope. It's not just for this person or that person. It's not just for this group of people. But salvation has come to all because we all need a savior. We are all sinners in desperate need of a savior. We are all sinners that have a relationship that has been separate, where we have been separated by God in our relationship with him. That's what sin does. Sin separates our relationship with God. But because Jesus came, because the wait is over, our relationship with God is now restored. And like Simeon shows us, we can have a personal, growing, deep relationship with God. That gives us hope. See, Jesus didn't just come as a nice man who was going to do kind things. Jesus was so much more than a teacher, so much more than a healer. John chapter 14, listen to how Jesus describes himself. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In other words, Jesus is talking about salvation is found only through him, only in him. We do not save ourselves by doing really good in life. We cannot save ourselves by making all the right decisions. We cannot look to anyone or anything else other than Jesus to save us. Our hope is only found in him. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, not a part of the truth, not a piece of life. He says, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Salvation is only found in him. So again, here's Simeon holding baby Jesus, his savior, recognizing that the wait is over and that we now have hope. Simeon's next line speaks to Jesus being the light of the world. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. The idea is we no longer have to wander around in darkness, but we can take a step following him because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and our hope is in him. So Simeon, after all of this waiting, says the wait is over. We now have peace. We now have hope. And he praises God for that fact that the wait is finally over. One of the parts of this story that caused me to personally reflect is as we think back over Simeon's life and what it had to have been like to just wait and wait and wait and then finally not have to wait anymore, I can't help but some, some way kind of turn the tables on myself a little bit and, and ask the question, God, are you waiting on me? Right, so often we look to God and it, it feels like we're waiting on him. And honestly, it's not so much us waiting on him, it's just our plans are not his plans. His timing is different than our timing. But often we, we blame God and say, God, I'm just waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. But according to this story, according to the story of Christmas, the wait is over. We are no longer waiting on God. So I've got to ask myself, God, are you waiting on me? Maybe in our, in our own lives, maybe God is actually waiting on you. Maybe he's waiting on me. So let's, let's wrestle with that for a moment. The wait is over. God has sent his son, Jesus. Our savior has come. He is with us. The wait is over. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting on? You might not have said this before, but maybe in your heart you've thought it in the sense of, God, I really want to give you my life. I really want to follow you. I do desire to follow you, but just not right now. Like the timing's not great. 
God, you know the season of Christmas and, and the new year, and it gets really hectic and it gets really busy. So God, I really want to follow you and I really want to trust you. I really want to lean into my personal relationship with you. But God, can we make that a goal in 2024? Can I get through the holidays first and then, and then let me lean in? Is he waiting on you? Maybe you've said something like this in your heart where, God, I really do desire to follow you. I want to trust you with everything, but I just need to figure some things out first. Like my life is a mess and I've just got relationships that aren't working. So God, let me, let me figure some parts out of my life first. Let me fix some of those relationships that I've messed up. Let me get my life together, God, and then let me come to you. What are you waiting on? Maybe it's the stage of life that just doesn't seem right right now. God, I wanna follow you with all my heart. God, I wanna give you my entire life, but man, I just need to, uh, l- let me get married first. L- let, me, let me get kids first. Let me get them set. Let me get the kids out of the house. Once we get kids out of the house, then I can finally devote some time to you. Let me get settled in my job. Let me find a new job. Let me get my finances in order. We have a reason, we have an excuse. Can I just lean in and say, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting for? He has come, he is here, the wait is over, so let's stop, let's stop making him wait on us. Another way to ask it would be, what's God leading you to? What is that next step that will cause you to trust him more? What is that next step that would cause you to have to depend more on him? And what are you waiting on? Jesus said this in John chapter eight. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Do you notice Jesus said, if, if you follow me, you will no longer have to walk in darkness. Doesn't that feel how we walk around sometimes? Well, I'm gonna try this, and if this works, great. If not, well, I'll find something else, or I'll figure this out. We feel like we're just wandering around in the dark trying to get through another day. That doesn't sound like a life of peace. That definitely doesn't sound like a life of hope. That does not sound like a life lived in the light. So could I encourage you to stop waiting Because the wait is over, lean in and take that next step of faith and take that next step of trusting Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. We're coming up on what I would call my favorite part of of the day. We're gonna do our candle lighting in just a moment. So go ahead and grab your candles. They're underneath your chairs. Don't light them yet. I know we just talked all about like the wait is over. You're gonna have to wait a little bit longer for this part. So hold on to them, have them, but don't do anything with them yet because I wanna give you something to think about, reflect on, and pray about as you light your candles here in just a moment. Here's what I want you to be thinking of. What is my next step? The reason we light candles, not just because it's a great tradition and, and we love the moment, we light the candles because of what it represents. We are in a dark room, and in just a moment when we light the lights, light the candles, this room is no longer dark, but darkness is pushed out and the light is here. We light candles to remember that Jesus is here. Not he's going to come, but he is here. And yes, he will certainly will come again. But his spirit is here. He has already come. And the light represents just what he said. You will no longer have to walk in darkness. 
So don't miss this, that Jesus Christ, your Savior, my Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is inviting you to follow him. Is reaching out his hand saying, come and follow me. And you will no longer live in darkness, but you will live in peace and you will live with hope. So what are we waiting on? As you light the candle and you have your candle lit, would you have an honest dialogue with God? What are you waiting on? Because he has come. He has pushed away the darkness. He has come and brought peace. He has come and brought hope. He has come and brought life. Because of his birth, his life, his sacrifice on the cross and the empty tomb, we are given the hope of eternal life in him. He has come and the wait is over. If you'll stand with me, I'll pray, we'll light our candles and remember and celebrate that he has come and the wait is over. God, thank you so much again for loving us more than we can understand. Thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to be our savior. Jesus, thank you for coming to be with us, to live among us, to live a perfect sinless life and then to sacrifice yourself on the cross. We cannot celebrate your birth without recognizing and celebrating your death on the cross. But we also celebrate what you did three days later with the empty tomb and your resurrection. We celebrate Christmas and the cross because it's what gives us hope and what gives us life. Jesus, thank you for conquering both sin and death. And as we pause in this moment, May we accept your invitation and stop waiting around, but to follow you with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind. We love you, and we thank you that the wait is over. In Jesus' name, amen.